Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Hunting Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and we got a good one for you today. Uh, today, we actually connect with one of our listeners, Cole Gard. Cole uh, reached out to me and said he's got a couple of stories that he hopes no other hunter ever has to deal with or live through, uh, and that piqued my interest. So we, we had Cole jump on, and, and he did not disappoint. He has some, some great stories. He's from Illinois, and he's got some great whitetail stories. He even has some good uh, Western big game stories. So I want to thank Cole, of course, for coming on the podcast thank you all for tuning in and listening to the podcast and don't forget to at least share with one person today so we can keep growing it and uh, keep having more listeners like Cole come and share their stories so thanks again guys now let's go ahead and uh, let Cole tell you his stories all right Cole welcome to the hunting stories podcast brother how are you I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Actually, you know what? I'm doing great. Let's go with that because I got you here to tell me some of your favorite hunting stories. Um, just so the people know, you are another listener that reached out to me saying, I've got some stories. I got some stories that I hope no other hunter ever has to live. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that that piques some interest. So I'm glad that you're here, man. I'm super excited to hear what you have for us today. But let's uh, let's kick this thing off by letting you introduce yourself to the folks that you're about to uh Tell some stories to. Yeah, so uh, my name's Cole Gard. I'm from a small southern town in Illinois, about 25 minutes east of St. Louis. And uh, I've been hunting uh, probably since I was like 10 years old. Started with the small stuff like rabbits, squirrels, you know, yeah. dove, that kind of th- that kind of stuff. And uh, so then I got my hunting license because, you know, when you're a kid, you don't think that hunting licenses exist. But uh, <laughs> anyway. it's a good point. So, <laughs> got my hunting license when I was, I think I was 12. And the first season that uh, was open was turkey season. And to make a long story short, I killed two turkeys with one shot oh, for shit. my first tur- Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was wild. That's f- crazy. So let me ask you a couple questions. Uh, who got you into hunting? Was it just something your family did? Or were you like the the, the first hunter in the family? So my dad got me into it. He was, he's always been big into it and his dad taught him how to, when he was young and it just kind of, you know, kind of went down the family tree a little bit. So kind of the typical, yeah. you know, introduction to hunting. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I, uh, I wish. Um, and then do you want to go any more into that story about your first time hunting and knocking down the two turkeys? If not, it reminded me of a story that I can tell from a buddy of mine, but you, you go, you get to go first. Oh uh, yeah, so uh, it was actually it was public land because we never really had any private to hunt, at least none that was worth hunting. But uh, you know, it kind of went how you would want a turkey hunt to go. You know, we set up, I think two or three decoys out in this field, and we had roosted the birds the evening before. And uh, perfect, I mean, opening morning. You know, there was like fog and it was real misty, cloudy. I mean, perfect yeah. scenery for you know, a couple of gobblers come flying down and. That's sure awesome. enough, that's what happened. <laughs> Three of them flew down and landed right in the decoys, and only one of them walked out. That's so crazy, man. Yeah. So uh, I've told the story about my turkey in Texas where my my bow, I, I go full draw, and my arrow falls off my knock, and I'm like trying to pss, pss, and get my buddy to come and re-knock it. I've told that story before. I'm not sure if I've told the story of that buddy then later that day. So he, he was, so I was showing him the ropes and by no means am I a turkey hunting expert, but I was like, here's what I know. And it worked. So he's like, okay, well, can I borrow this little, like, it's not even a blind. It's just basically a, a canopy that you put in front of you. Right. 
And yeah. uh, I've got some decoys and he's like, can I borrow this stuff? And a slate call. And I'm like, yeah, man, of course. Like just when you're done, bring it back. So it's midday. I have to go home. He has to go to work, but he's like, after work, before the sun goes down, I'm going to set up again and I'm going to, I'm going to try and get some turkeys. And I'm like, all right, well, good luck. And we've been there for a couple hours and, and, and seen one bird, two birds, maybe. So I knew there were birds everywhere, but I wasn't sure if he was going to have too much luck. Either way, he goes and he sets up and he starts to do his little slate call. And, you know, he'd literally never done it before that day when I showed him how. And three birds come in and they're, they're jakes. Um, and we're talking South Texas. And in South Texas, I think you get like four turkey tags or something like that when you put in. Damn. Yeah, you get a crazy amount. And uh, and he goes and and he's like, all right. And, he, and I was archery. He was shotgun. So he pulls up and he shoots and poof, drops two of them just like you. Right. <laughs> and then the other the other one, the third one doesn't go anywhere. So he's like, all right, well, I'll shoot it, too. So and he shoots the third. Turkey. Oh, my God. So in, in, a, in a matter of like five seconds, he kills three turkeys. And I'm sitting there like talking, talking to him on the phone as he's telling me this story. And I'm like, you know, let me look into this. And, and I look at all the other states and how many turkey tags you get. And I'm and like from a legality standpoint he may have done something that no one's ever done before, which is kill three turkeys like instantly in season with tags. Like he did everything legally by the book and dropped three turkeys in like under five seconds, which is just insane. Oh um, yeah. Unheard of for sure. Yeah. which It's funny. Cause it's like, he's killed as many turkeys as I have. And it's taken me three years. It took him, you know, 10 minutes. So <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like turkeys are the smartest, dumbest animals you'll ever see. Oh, like they, that's so true. They make you feel so stupid. Oh yeah. Like they are, they are so dumb, but then they do some things that you're like, what, like, how could your small brain even think to do that? And they do yeah. it. <laughs> yep. I believe it, man. I believe it. Um, all right, cool. Well, Cole, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I'm glad that you're on the podcast. And I know that I kind of forced you into that first Turkey story uh, and then gave you one of my own, but you came here to tell a couple in particular. So why don't you kind of set the stage for us? Um, let's start with, the um we'll call it the hospice book so <laughs> oh i was hunting, all right yeah so uh i was hunting this this particular buck in this area and it's a pretty small amount of acreage i mean maybe like five acres of woods and uh i had seen him like on one of the last days of the season the year before i'm like all right i'm like i wanted to kill him next season so went in there and found a decent tree to set up in and as i was climbing the tree i'm like what is that noise i mean so have you ever seen the movie lone survivor survivor um it's a military movie right i'm sure that i have yeah. i'm drawing a blank right now so uh uh mark Wahlberg plays marcus Luttrell in that movie but uh it's okay. about marcus's story but um at the one of the end scenes um i think his last name is axelson but he gets shot he gets shot in the lungs he's kind of going <gasps> like you know kind yeah. of that real struggle and breathing and that's what i heard about halfway up the tree and i'm like what the hell is that noise and so i'm looking around looking around and i don't see anything you know it's pretty <laughs> pretty tall grass yeah. so i'm like all right well slapped another stick on the tree and climbed up it and i seen this tail flick flickering on the ground about 30 yards away from the tree and so i kind <laughs> of started course. you know peeking my head around the tree and sure enough it was a deer laying there like what the hell so climbed out of the tree and i walked over to it and it's this buck probably a i'd say probably 100 
130, 135 inch buck, decent buck. Right. Yeah. And uh, he's just laying there on the ground. He's got saliva all over him and he's just like doing that heavy struggle and breathing. And you just walked right okay. up to him? Yeah. Yeah. He just, wa- I mean, I walked right up to him and the deer is alive. I mean, barely, but he's alive. And uh, so my first thoughts are like, okay, you know, let, let me look for a wound, you know, an arrow or, you know, yeah. bullet wound. So I, you know, kind of looked him over on one of his sides and then flipped him over, looked on the other side, nothing. I mean, the deer has no puncture wounds or anything at all. So I'm like, what the hell? And he's just the entire time. He's just, you know, like foaming at the mouth. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I sat there with him for a little bit and I'm like, you know, I don't even know what to do. And so I tried to, uh, I'm like, well, let me try to help him up. You know, (laughs) maybe he's just a little sick. Maybe he's not too terribly you know yeah, it just off. needs a helping hand <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh i grabbed him grabbed him by the antlers and i with all my might i mean tried to lift him up and he just did not want to move i'm like damn and so i kind of you know sat there with him the entire evening pretty much until it got dark just trying to figure out what the hell to do and so i went home and uh, i think it was a friday night because then that next yeah, yeah that saturday I'm like, well, I'm like, let me go check it, you know, check in on him, make sure he's, you know, still, or, you know, if he didn't get up or if he ain't dead or whatever. So went in there. About now, I don't, two. I don't know Illinois and and ho- hopefully I'm not ruining the story. And if I'm about to, then just say, I'll get to that. But like, do you guys have coyotes in Illinois? Yes, we do. They are thick as thieves. I figured. Yeah, I, figured. Which, okay. uh, I hope I'm not ruining anything here, but it's a question I had to no, ask. No, you go make ahead. a good point. Cause I am surprised that they didn't get to him, but, uh, okay. Anyway, so I go in there about 2, 2.30, and I wasn't hunting. I just went in there just to check up on him, and uh, he was still there, you know, same thing, heavy breathing. And uh, I'm like, all right, let me try to help him up. You know, he's had all, all night to rest. <laughs> so do the same thing, grab him by the antlers, try, try to lift him up, and this time he tries to get up. You know, he kind of folds his front legs and tries to kind of push himself up, but it just yeah. isn't working. And, uh, you know, the entire time I'm kind of, you know, it sounds a little weird, but I was kind of like petting him behind the ear just to let him know that, like, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to hurt you. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I went back home and, <laughs> you know, thought about it some more and more. And, you know, of course, your first thoughts are to call the conservation. But I'm like, you know, Illinois is pretty crooked as far as that goes. And I don't know how long it would take them to get there. So I figured matters were kind of in my own hands. But uh, interesting. So crooked anyway, isn't like broken roundabout way to get things done. It's just, they're, they're not very efficient or crooked is in like, you don't really trust them. Both. Or so both. like <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a story, you know, a little side note real quick that okay. Illinois, I don't know who does it, but during the summertime, you know, when deer are most active, there's a certain group of people that go out on the public lands and slaughter deer with suppressed rifles. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, because they claim that the deer numbers are too high, which I think is BS. But whatever. Back to the story. <laughs> so you're saying you're saying um, the 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 like the 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 public office that is responsible for managing the populations, the fish and wildlife or whatever is doing that. I don't know if it's them because you know we're pretty good friends with the uh, uh, DNR officer that kind of manages that area, and he's like, "There's things that they do out here that are completely out of the, out of our power." So, um, interesting. Yeah, interesting. it's kind of disappointing. 
but uh yeah anyway so start, i'm gonna start a conspiracy theory podcast and we'll have that guy on but that's not for today so <laughs> yeah so uh um i went home that saturday evening and you know kept thinking about that buck thinking about him thinking about him i'm like all right so sunday comes around i'm like i'm gonna bring some water fruits and vegetables try to get him to eat or drink and a 22 and I figured, okay, you know, if he doesn't eat or drink or if he isn't better, I'm just going to do what's morally right and put him out of yeah. his misery. Yeah, no, so, that's, uh, that's logical. Yeah, so uh, I went in Sunday evening and walked up to him, and he was cold, stiff. He had died. And, uh, you know, most people probably would have just kind of walked away and been like, oh, well, that sucks. But, you know, during those short couple days of just kind of, you know, pretty much being that deer's hospice nurse. Um, (laughs) you know, I kind of got really like attached to him almost in a pet kind of way. Like, you know, when he died, like, you know, I wouldn't be lying to you, to you if I told you that I kind of teared up. Like, uh, I believe, you know, you know, we're really as hunters, we're all connected to these animals and, and to even be that connected and that close to a deer that's still living and can't do anything about the fact that you're sitting right next to him and he'd probably run if he could. Um, it kind of got to me as far as, uh, you know, the way he died and, and the amount of suffering he had to go through, you know, he, yeah. who knows how long he was laying there before I got to him the first time. So, uh, it was, uh, it was kind of tough, kind of tough to see the, uh, animals that we love to hunt and harvest, yeah. you know, struggling, struggling on their own. No, that's a super interesting point, man. I never thought about it that. And and now I'm thinking about all the guys that like, you know, they, they do inventory of their area and they start to name the different deer. And, um, I wonder if that makes, you know, more of a, uh, puts more of a stake into the pot, right? Because you're, you're investing, you're investing in the animals more just by naming them and let alone, you know, trying to feed them and petting them and, and trying to help them. Like, uh, yeah. That's a crazy story, Cole. Like I can't, I, I don't, I can't think of anyone I've ever talked to that's ever just like had a little deer that they went to in the woods and, and hung out with. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's weird, but yeah, uh, th- thanks for yeah. sharing, man. That's that's crazy. Do, yeah, did uh, I don't know. I it's a little morbid, but did you like? Did you uh, call it into the Department of Wildlife? Or did you just leave it to lie? Did you? take its antlers did you did you take its meat you know i uh all that went through my head and so the first thing i did was i kind of googled his symptoms which google is not the best place but you know yeah google the symptoms and you know the popular thing is either cwd or uh ehd and uh he didn't really have familiar with ehd yeah so ehd from what I understand is it's like a midge or like a little bot fly that when you have stagnant, you know, really hot water, like in the summers, got it. Um, it's a kind of fly that breeds in there and then it gets in their noses and, uh, oh, that's gross. Yeah. It's bad. And I don't know what exactly they do to them. I don't know if they just clog all their airways in their nose or what exactly it does, but, uh, you'll find them dead a lot near water with that yeah. disease. Did he look like but, was his uh, fur? Okay. Was he like, malnourished uh, i mean beyond just sitting in place for three days but like no he uh he looked healthy as an ox i mean his his hide looked good you know he you know his ribs weren't showing he looked like a healthy deer all things considered and uh but i think it's called 
I looked it up, and I think it's CHD. I think it's what it is, chronic hemorrhage disease or something like that. That was the closest thing that I could I can narrow down to what he had. Yeah, but um, you know, I was I was kind of iffy on whether to take the meat or not. You know, there was a couple sources that said it's okay, and a couple of them that said it's not. So I figured, you know, I'll just let the coyotes have them. They need to eat too. So. That's true. That's but, true. And that's what would have happened if you had never shown up anyways. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's better safe than sorry. And it's, uh, it's too bad that the guy didn't get the, the, the chance, but who knows, maybe, you know, you think about it, maybe he was healthy and he walks by five minutes after you climb that tree and you, and you shoot him. So it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, yeah. A, it's a weird world we live in, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You never know what could happen right around the bend. You know, after you see a deer or, you know, he could fall over dead, you know, just after seeing him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's funny, truth, funny that's little, crazy. funny little side story to that. Whenever I first walked up on the deer the first time, um, you know, the sun was kind of setting. It was getting close to dark. And I looked behind me because I kind of you get that feeling like something's looking at you or watching you. Yeah. And I looked behind me and there was the buck I was after standing next to three does. that's awesome yeah it was probably 150 160 inch 10 point nice beautiful deer are you uh are you rifle hunting or you archery hunting no this is archery okay gotcha man but um we actually illinois just uh just opened up a uh, rifle um cal or a couple rifle calibers that you can hunt with during the gun season but um I think they're I think they're only allowing straight case or something like that. So um really I mean so they're rules. just as effective as a slug yeah. gun. Okay. Gotcha. Man, there's so many rules in so many different states. Um oh, I know yeah. Colorado, all right. I know Texas, all right. But then you know, like cal like I don't think in either one of those states really most most calibers are good to go. Like there's not many things you can't use, but I guess you know every state's different. So yeah. Yeah. It's, that's the tough part too. You go out of state, you got to learn all the rules and there might be one little rule you missed that could, that could burn you. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. So, all right, well, let's, uh, let's, let's move on, man. So that was, that was a crazy story. I, uh, nice to know that you're a dedicated hospice nurse, but, uh, what else? <laughs> so, uh, this is a deer I was after, uh, two years ago. And uh, this kind of public I hunt, it's got just about every terrain that you can find from coast to coast. I mean, it's got stuff that looks like Texas. It's got stuff that looks like, you know, Pennsylvania with kind of hilly, you know, open woods. And then, you you know, river ground timber, you got it all. But um, so I like to hunt the grass in this particular area. So, but anyway. I was driving around and usually it's, you know, about 4th of July weekend is whenever our bucks kind of start getting to substantial size as far as, you know, antler growth and velvet. Okay. And uh, so I was driving around and I looked in this area that I never really glassed before, but I seen like 25 deer down there and it's like 600 yards off the road and down a big hill. And so I'm kind of going from deer to deer. I'm like, okay, you know, decent buck, decent buck. And I get to this one buck and I'm like, oh my God. I mean, he was probably 180 inches and it was only July, like the beginning wow. of July. He still me, got I, like, let the me whole... ask you this also like state to state, every, every deer or every 
state is different with the size of their deer. Some not that great. Some are huge. You know, like Iowa is known for huge deer. Where's Illinois fall yeah. into that? Cause I'm not a whitetail guy. Don't claim to be, but uh, I'm trying to learn more, more and more about it. It's so like, are there a lot of one eighties in Iowa or excuse me, in Illinois, or is that like really just crazy? No, it's actually, um, it's pretty typical. Like, uh, I would say Iowa and Illinois are probably neck and neck. Iowa probably being a a tiny step above them. Uh, I don't know if it's still this way today, but I think Illinois used to be the big buck capital of, uh, I think the world. No way. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Something every day. Cool, man. Okay. Continue. Sorry. So, uh, I found this deer and so me and dad hunt the same you know, public, we constantly drive around, check different fields. And I texted him. I'm like, I just found an effing giant. And, uh, you know, he's like, well, let me see it. You know, cause I always, you know, say, Oh, I found a giant. So, you know, he drove over and he's like, Holy crap. He's like, that's the biggest, he's like, that's one of the biggest deer I've ever seen in this park. And, uh, so he's got, I nicknamed him two names. One name I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna say, cause it gives away his location for sure. But uh, oh. <laughs> the, the second okay. the, the second name I came up with him was uh, the Patriot because I found him on Fourth of July weekend. So That's we're awesome. going to refer to him as the Patriot. So I just got after since I you know once I found that deer I got sick over him like I was just obsessed with him. I'm like that's the deer I'm going to kill, and I knew of a couple other you know Boone and Crockett deer one sixties one seventies, and. Uh, but I wanted that one. So, you know, I walked that entire area multiple times. I made sure I knew it like the back of my hand and, um, set out a couple cameras, you know, just to kind of see where he was living. And, you know, with a deer's summer range, you're not really going to be able to hunt him in the same place that you see him in the summer, you know, once fall comes around. But, um, so I, you know, set up some cameras, got a bunch of pictures of him with him and his bachelor group which were all pretty you know rock stars of deer too but um (laughs) was he let me ask was he like uh pretty typical or was he like unique in some way oh no he was he was pretty wicked i think he had 18 countable points and he had like just stickers going all over the place i mean you know mainframe 10 but just had all kinds of stickers on him that's cool and uh so, uh, you know, kept walking it, tried to find the best access routes, tried to predict, you know, where he was bedding at that point and then where he might bed and just kept chasing him with cameras pretty much and then glassing and, you know, whole nine yards. And um, to make a long story short, he, uh, he moved around September, but he didn't move out of the area. He just moved like on the complete opposite end of, you know, the area he was living in, which is probably a total of like 400 yards from where he was actually living. But, um, he like, didn't even affiliate with the side that he was staying in, in the summer. He didn't even go, he avoided it like the plague during fall, Hmm. which was weird, but probably because that's where it got the most pressure. But, um, so there was this little triangular block of woods and then there was a bunch of grass in front of it with some autumn olives in it and stuff. And, um, that woods was all pretty young oak trees. I mean, just littered with, you know, acorns. And so I put a camera right at the point, um, where it kind of intersects between 
or where it kind of, you know, funnels down or comes to uh, grass, like frag grass. And then, uh, you know, the woods, obviously. And uh, I'd get him on there probably almost every evening. And I had thought he was staying in the woods. So, you know, come opener, um, kayaked in, hopped up in a tree, never seen him. And I did that for probably two or three days. I'm like, okay, like something's something's up. Like I should have had, I should have been on this deer by now. And so I got to talking with dad and he's like, why don't you look in the grass? He's like, why don't you, why don't you sit right at the edge of the timber where if he is living in the timber, you can still kill him, but you can see if he's living in the grass. I'm like, all right. So which where I set up was like right next to the tree where my camera was in. So uh-huh. set up one evening and I was hunting out of the saddle and this limb in this tree was perfect where I could lean like literally all the way back and lay like perpendicular with that tree and just like lay down. It was so comfortable. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Never heard of anyway, so, being comfortable, but that's good. Good for you, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so I'm laying there and like typical public land, like you really don't have to pay attention till the last 30 minutes, at least not where some of the places I hunt in a roundabout way. The last 30 minutes is about your only, your only trying chance at killing a big deer. Yeah. So I'm kind of laying there, not really paying attention. And something told me to just get up and look out the grass. Like, you know, like I said, you just kind of get that feeling. It's like, you need to get your ass up and just start looking around. And so I tethered up, looked out in the grass, and there he was. He was standing there probably about 100 yards away with a smaller buck. Beautiful, beautiful, like cherry wood red rack. Just standing there. I mean, biggest deer I've ever seen with my own eyes. And so uh, so I, I immediately got my camera, flipped it around, click record, zoomed in on him. And he was probably 20 yards from the field. Um, he was just kind of standing there looking around, stood there forever. And, uh, (laughs) he was standing right next to this autumn olive bush and I watched him lay down. He bedded down again. I'm like, I'll be damned. And then the buck he was with bedded down. And then I bet probably 45 minutes go by because just that he came out probably an hour and a half before light or before dark and uh, about 45 minutes to an hour goes by and he finally stands back up and I'm like, good God. I'm like, I know I'm not, I, I know I'm not killing him that evening, but just the fact that I saw him, I put in all that work and I finally laid eyes on him and uh, he walked out in the field that evening ended. I climbed down, got in my kayak and, buzzed over to the boat ramp went back to the camper and went back to the drawing board because he was not where i thought he was living yeah so uh um i'm like all right i'm like he's living in the grass this is where he was standing this was a secondary bed for sure you know where is he actually living and so i kind of got to thinking i'm like well like where would you know where would i go if i wanted to avoid the most people but see everything that I could possibly see coming around me. And in the grass, obviously you can do that, but there was a certain area in this grass because it was kind of on a slope where if he laid at the bottom of the slope, he could see that entire stretch. I mean, for hundreds of yards, he could see. I'm like, that's got to be where he's at. So I got to my, I had to swing around and park the other way the next evening. And uh, 
make a long story short, haunted him a couple times in the grass. But uh, finally, I'm or on the edge of the grass, and I'm like, finally, I just decided I needed to get in there with him. Yeah, because I was waiting. You know, for he that. Was <laughs> yeah, he was taking too long, and so, um, and I, you know, had made myself a ghillie suit over the summer because I figured, well, if I need to hunt him in the grass, then I will. So, um, took my ghillie suit. It's like a hundred degrees outside, and wearing a ghillie <laughs> suit is terrible. <laughs> and, are, let me ask you this: Are you still archery hunting? Yes. Okay, so you yeah, got like so, uh, the, your forearm kind of strapped down, so that stuff doesn't get in the way. But yeah, so my my left arm, I didn't put any jute on that, so it didn't get tangled up. And then I put like jute halfway down my right arm. Okay. So, uh, and I didn't put any on my chest either. But uh, anyway, so I'm like, I need to get to this buck. It's drier than hell, so all the grass crunches. He's gonna hear me, and. Uh, I need to get to that um, olive bush that he was at. So what I did was, is I belly crawled with my ghillie suit. I took my boots off, belly crawled, carried my boots with me, crawled all the way to that tree or that autumn olive bush. And then I kind of, you know, stood there because it was tall enough and the grass is tall enough. I'm five foot six. So it covers like <laughs> two thirds of my body. <laughs> but uh, anyway, and uh so he comes out, I want to say probably, probably 30 minutes before, before, uh, dark. And he's coming exactly where I thought he would 30 yards away. He's going to follow this little ditch up and he's going to walk right past this automotive bush and I'm going to smoke him 30 yards. And, uh, so his little buck that he uses as a century, it was pretty funny to see that, but, uh, Anyway, he walks up, walks past me, and I could see him standing on the complete other side of this bush. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear this truck come down the uh, come down the highway, and it's probably oh, no. I'm 600 yards off of the highway, and yeah. uh, I hear this truck start, you know, coming down the highway. You know, he's got the big loud mud grips on and the loud exhaust, big diesel truck, and. Uh, I'm like, no, please, no, please, no. I'm like, it's definitely a hunter. And, uh, you know, he's driving, driving. All of a sudden, you know, you ever hear a big truck with loud mud tires on it? When it starts to slow down, it kind of goes whoa, 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 like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He started doing that. And I'm like, no, please. And there's a little farm pole in where people always come into glass because everybody knew about this deer. And uh, sure enough, that buck whipped his head up. And, uh, mind you, he's 30 yards from me still. <laughs> and, uh, Ugh. this guy pulls in and I'm looking over my, my shoulder and I can see him pulls in and he could see this buck from the road and, uh, pulls in glasses, century buck jumps off. And then he beelines out of there just full speed to the woods and, uh, just completely blew my, blew my, Ugh. oh yeah, blew my hunt. I mean, I had it perfect. Everything I needed to do. I, you know, I was confident I was going to kill him that evening and, uh, had him at 30 yards, like ready to draw my bow. And <laughs> that guy pulls in and F's it all up, man. I was never seen, never seen red so much in my life than when that guy, I bet, man, did that. I bet, you know, I learned something I, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but antelope hunting is like, if you pull over, cause you see something it's gone like game over. <laughs> so just like drive, keep driving. Like if you see something cool, 
keep driving, then pull over and come back. Yeah. Like on yeah. your feet. Like that's the, all the hunters out there, whether it's whitetail, whether it's antelope, elk, whatever it is. If you drive right by, they're not going to mind you because they've seen plenty of cars drive right by. But if you pull over, man, you're ruining it for yourself and possibly possibly somebody else like Cole here, man. I'm so, That's brutal. <laughs> I assume that's the end of the story there. Is there more to it? So I had seen that buck a couple times after that. And I had him at, I had him at, I think it was like 45 one evening, but it was like right at the end of shooting time. And I'm like, I am not going to take a chance on a deer like that. Um, you know, 45 yards right at dark. I mean, I can shoot 45 easy, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk it. Not with that low light. Cause yeah. a million things could go wrong. So, uh, yeah, but, um, this story ain't over yet it gets worse so (laughs) oh god all right go ahead so this area i'm hunting turns into refuge on the 28th of october and then you what does that mean exactly sorry if i'm ignorant here but what does that mean so the refuge it turns into refuge of 28th all for the ducks and geese they call it a waterfowl rest area that way you know you're not disturbing the wildlife but yet they they let horse people rip through their all season long and disturb all kinds yeah. of wildlife but <laughs> yeah. you know whatever it's, it's like in colorado when uh <laughs> when 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 the elk antlers start to fall you can't go and take them out because it's illegal but there's more hunt or more hikers and campers and shit like that than hunters by far but the hunters are the one restricted so i get it okay yeah so um you know october 28th comes around gotta close the book on that book so uh um, anyway, you know, I moved on, went to some other areas where I had knew a couple, you know, big deer at, and I'm like, all right, well, maybe I can try to find a, you know, a buck to, uh, um, ease, you know, ease the pain on my wounds. So, um, <laughs> you know, I hunt throughout the season and it was kind of a crappy season, you know, after that, I like, I mean, I'm more successful in October as far as big buck encounters than I am in, <clears throat> in the rut. But, uh, so, uh, first gun comes around. I'm like, well, I'm like, if that buck ventures out of the refuge, he's dead. And all he's got to do is cross the road. So, uh, um, my dad happened to be driving around like the last hour of, uh, first gun season and he's seen him cross the road. So we knew he was still alive. So we're like, all right, he made it through, you know, the first war. Like, now he's got to go through world war two, <laughs> second gun season. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, uh, friends of ours down there, um, they hunt not too far from where this buck was, but, you know, on the side that you can still hunt, it's kind of across the road and then, you know, you got to kind of go through some thick stuff and then opens up in the timber again. And, uh, anyway, so they hunted in there and his wife had shot a giant deer over there and, uh, you know, he was describing it to us because they, you know, lost it, couldn't find it. She made a bad hit. And me and dad are sitting in the truck and he's describing this deer and verbatim. He said, she said, you know, he, the guy, you know, talking about or re- reiterating what his uh, wife had said. He goes, uh, oh, yeah, she said he, uh, you know, mainframe 10 had a bunch of stickers all over him, uh, you know, real red, you know, kind of kind of, you know, kind of a redwood looking rack. And I looked over at dad and I'm like, that's the Patriot. 
I'm like, that's him. <laughs> I'm like, I guarantee it. And, uh, you know, his mouth kind of hit the floor cause he knew how sick I was over that deer. And, uh, anyway, they, so the story goes, she had hit that buck during second gun season. I think she hit it like in the leg back leg and, uh, they tracked it, tracked it, never could find it. And, uh, eventually he goes, well, he's like, let me, uh, let me go through this one really thick, you know, kind of a fragmite patch of grass or not grass. I mean, they're, I guess fragmites grass, but, uh, anyway, so he jumps it and, uh, these, uh, you know, he runs and these two, uh, or no, it was a guy and two sons. They were muzzleloader hunting and they were walking back to their truck. And I don't really know the time frame of how all this was happening, but, uh, they were walking back to the truck and this buck, the Patriot runs out in front of them and stops in the middle of this gravel kind of side road. And, uh, he's like, guys, he's like, shoot it, shoot it. And the two sons didn't have their guns loaded. And he's like, sorry, boys. So he raises his gun up, shoots it, smokes it, 10 rings it. And he said, uh, when he shot him, he ran out into this lake swam about 50 yards into this lake and sunk. Oh no, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, uh, our friends, he's like, all right. He's like, well, he's like, I'll just, you know, I'll keep driving around every day for a couple of days after that. He'll eventually blow it up and float to the top. Well, I'm kind of thinking, well, if he's got a freaking round through his lungs, like how's he gonna, you know, or if he's got two wounds, two holes in his yeah. body how's he gonna float up but apparently they do i don't know but anyway so i guess they the guts right like the like because the, the lungs aren't connected to the stomach and the stomach's gonna just create gas so maybe that i don't know yeah true it could be that too but um anyway so ironically his nephew has a scuba license and scuba gear so uh towards the winter they're like, we're going to find this deer. So they went out into this lake, and these are strip lakes. I mean, they are deep. And uh, anyway, so they kind of radared throughout the lake where they thought he was and never could, you know, find him there. So he's like, all right. He's like, well, we're going to go in. So his nephew dumps into the water with his <laughs> scuba gear, goes all the way down to the bottom. And uh, he's like, man, he's like, and he's talking to him over some kind of radio or whatever from the bottom of the lake. And he's like, he's like, I can't find him. He's like, I can't even see my hand in front of my face. He's like, it's so murky down here. He's like, there, you know, these weeds are so tall. He's like, he could have fell in here and, uh, you know, kind of cocooned himself in these weeds. He's like, he could be anywhere. He's like, I could be swimming right by him and I, I'll never see him. And they swam around for hours. Never did find him. Mind oh, you, the man. water's like, it's like 20 degrees out. Water's freezing. <laughs> and, uh, Anyway, so yeah, that's uh that's kind of the uh the book on that on the Patriot. He's dead at the bottom of a lake somewhere. That's so crazy, <laughs> man. That is so crazy. Yeah. I love that they like went through. They're like, nope, this story's not done. We're getting the scuba gear out. I've yeah, I've seen people do that with like. Uh, I lived in Washington for a while, and Lake Union is this lake just north of downtown, and people drop their cell phones in there, and they'd pay scuba divers to go down and fish out their cell phones, which is funny. Um, but uh, it just reminded me of that, which is crazy. It's, it's super cool. I yeah. Guess I wouldn't expect many, uh, in, you know, on Lake Union, right by the coast, plenty of scuba divers, you know, middle of Illinois. I guess I don't know how many scuba divers are out there, but apparently at least one. Yeah. <laughs> very few, probably. 
But uh, no, I think, uh, you know, we got the Mississippi real close to us. And I think they do a lot of diving in that for a construction. Okay, Okay, cool. But um, yeah, so uh, it's funny now. Every time I see our friend's wife, I'm always like, like, stay the hell away from me. Like, don't go anywhere near me or my spots. I'm like, I don't want any of what you're going to, you know, any kind of bad juju you're going to put on my deer. Like, you need to stay the hell away from me. Well, I'm sorry you but, lost uh, the Patriot, buddy, but at least you got a good story out of it. You probably told that a hundred times. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's a, there's actually a, there was a couple of big name or not a couple. There was one uh, guy who's a writer for a big name hunting channel, which I can tell you later, but I won't, I won't say it here. But uh, okay, um, he was actually going to do an article on it if we found it. Oh, I bet, man. That would have been yeah. Amazing and I'm like, if you guys had found it. Yeah, which I'm also, I told uh, our friend, I'm like, because you know, our friend was friends with him. I'm like, honestly, I'm like, I'm kind of glad you didn't find it. I'm like, as if they did, the amount of people that would flood this place after hearing that art or reading that article. <laughs> I'm like, we That's got enough point. people here. That's a real good point. Yeah. Well, you know what? Another one will grow to that size, hopefully for you, Cole. But that's, uh, oh yeah, God, that's crazy. I've never, so that I've never heard of that in my life. I've seen some plenty of guys like dragging deer out of the water, but never scuba diving to fish them out. Yeah. How, yeah, how deep crazy. do you think that little river, or excuse me, that little lake was? Like if you had, uh, I guess. think he said, I think he was said it's 60 feet all the way down to the bottom. Damn. Okay. Yeah. It was deep. How far, how far across? Like, um, the, so he actually didn't even sink into the main part of the lake. If he would have sank in the main part, that would have been impossible. But so he was this little kind of, yeah. And the thing okay. is, they're real long and skinny. But um, this uh, this area, it's not really a slough. It's just kind of a, you know, kind of just like a little kickoff from it. But uh, I'd say the area that he, uh, you know, because there's kind of a finger that kind of came out from the lake. It was probably about, I'd say maybe... 100 120 yards wide okay and it just kind of gradually sloped all the way down to you know 60 feet okay so got it cool cool man well that's that's a great story thanks for sharing (laughs) man that's i I feel bad for you that you didn't get it but it's still interesting um it's super interesting that they broke out the scuba gear (laughs) yeah i know i know (laughs) go ahead it's uh it's crazy like just you know, you hear about people's deer that disappear on them all the time. It's like the amount of things that a deer probably goes through after you see it, you know, like I said earlier, like a million things can happen to that deer after you see it. You you, like, it's, it's just crazy. The amount of things that, you know, a deer. I wonder if that's like a natural thing where like when people can't find deer, if there is water nearby, that's where they run to. Like for some reason they think safety um, and they end up doing that often. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Cause like, you know, you hear all the time of people, every time somebody's hunting near a river or a creek or even a lake, they yeah, uh, right? often find their, find their deer in it. So, uh, you know, I bet, I bet that happens a lot. I bet so. I bet so. But Cole, man, I, I know you, uh, you teed it up with having two stories that you hope never happened to anyone. I'm assuming those are those two. So you got another couple quick good ones for us. Hopefully, hopefully you come away with the animal in one of these stories. Yeah, so this next story is is actually a success story. Thank you know, thank <laughs> All God. Right. But uh, um, so this is a deer. This is actually uh, the one I killed this past fall. Uh, we called him high and tight because uh, 
you know, he's real kind of narrow, but he was real tall. And uh, we actually knew about him last year or two years ago. And uh, I was going to kill him then. He was probably probably a 150-inch deer. I'm like, I'm going to kill him. And I knew about him late in the season, hunted him, never did find him. Kind of forgot about him. And, uh, you know, we got him on camera in the summer in velvet and we're like oh my god he completely blew up and uh just awesome looking deer and uh daylighting in this area pretty frequently and um so we all kind of you know me and my dad and a friend of ours we were all kind of you know hunting him kind of half-assed and so this was um i actually i killed him opener that was a friday gun season and uh thursday so last uh that fall i had set up my college classes where i worked or worked monday wednesday friday and then tuesday thursday i got out of class at like 10 a.m so uh thursday rolls along get out of class and it's really cold windy just shitty kind of weather you know the kind of stuff that you really don't want to go deer hunting in but you probably ought to yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so uh and i had a cell cam in the area of high and tight and then i had a cell cam in a completely other part of you know public and uh i'd gotten this buck on there like the second i got home it was like probably 11 o'clock i'm like holy shit you know deer freaking moving today because i had had a couple other small bucks you know throughout the day moving around and uh, I'm like, I'm going to go down there and hunt. I originally wasn't going to. So I'm like, I'm going to see if that deer, you know, runs a doe around. Maybe he can run by me again. And uh, so I boogie down there. And it's probably like an hour drive from my house to the public we hunt. And so I climb into this tree. Or not really climb into this tree. Actually, I had my stand like eight inches off the ground in this little bush. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so I'm sitting there and the trail is like eight yards from me. I mean, it is close and my camera's on my left. So kind of a, you know, little technology cheat code there. If anything was going to enter that woods, cause they crossed the road and then boom, they're into, into that woods. I'm like probably 50 yards from the road. And, uh, if it goes off, I'm like, all right, something's coming. So, but uh, I'm sitting there and I hear this, you know, grunting and uh, I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, you know, it's either him or another one of my target deer I'm after. And here comes this big, big six point deer. And we have a four point rule for this piece of public where we can't kill anything unless it has four points on one side. So I immediately draw back because I think it's a different deer. And he runs by or walks by and he's, you know, cruising for does. He's on a pretty decent trot and, uh, he stops, you know, kind of looks around. He does, he has no clue I'm there and I'm at full draw on him eight yards. And he's probably, I mean, just a real wide gnarly looking six point. I definitely would have shot him if it wouldn't have been for that rule. Cause he was an old deer. And, uh, anyway, so he walked off. Is that like a, an actual law or is this like a unspoken rule between you and the other folks that hunt there? No, it's, a it's, a um, the rule it's public land. So, okay. uh, um, that's the rule for that park. 
and gotcha. all those all the parks in Illinois have different rule different rules and stuff as far as you know point limits or whatever. But um, so I had to let down on him. Sat there the rest of the evening and high and tights area, which is on the other side of this um, unit or area. I was going to go there too. There was either that spot or the spot I was in and uh, I get a notification on my phone from uh, this area that high and tight was staying. And I called it the middle finger because it was just this middle little finger and this big, you know, wooded area. And uh, it was high and tight. He was a, uh, he was chasing a doe and he ran right by my camera with his tongue out. It was a pretty cool picture. But um, <laughs> I'm like, God damn. I'm like, if I would have been there, I could have smoked him and uh, sat there the rest of the evening in my spot. Didn't see anything. Of course. So now it's the evening before opener. And I'm like, well, I'm like, you know, high and tight really hasn't been in the middle finger. He's kind of been off in this other area. I'm like, I'll, I'll just go sit in the middle finger opening morning, see what happens. And I'm the kind of guy where I like to be sitting, like, situated and in the stand or in my spot at least an hour before shooting time. Sometimes an hour and a half. But uh, anyway, so I get there pretty late, or at least late to my standards. I'm still there, like, a decent time before shooting time. And so I got in my head that I was late when I really wasn't. And I was kind of looking around. It was dark. I haven't really hunted that area. And I had my hang on on my back. I'm like, man, I'm like, where do I go? I'm like, if I go here, I'm like, I'm kind of out in the open, but I can see everything. And if, if I go here, you know, I'm, I'm covered, but I can't really get any shots. And so finally, I look over at this deadfall and it was like this, you know, tree had kind of forked out about halfway up it and it had fallen perfectly where there was a tree like right in the crotch of it. I'm like, I'm going to put my hang on right there. And so I walked up the deadfall, put my hang on in it. I'm probably like three feet off the ground. And yeah. uh, if I sat up on my seat, I couldn't shoot this trail. But if I sat on my platform, I could. So I'm in these, you know, it's cold. It's like 15 degrees. I'm in these heavy bibs. I hate wearing bibs. I'm, you know, all layered up looking like the, uh, the kid from uh, Christmas Story. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> So I'm sitting on my platform. I got my feet propped up on the uh, on the deadfall. Daylight comes, and I think there was one tiny little, you know, spike that had walked by me, and nothing. And you know, I kind of, I am in no situation to shoot anything at any trail besides maybe right in front of me, because I'm right-handed and the trail's on my right. So I got to do some weird acrobatic shit to turn and shoot. So I'm sitting there. And uh, I text my friend because he's hunting not far away. It was about 7.30. I'm like, you see anything? He's like, nope. I'm like, all right. So then I hear a you know shot over on his direction. And I'm like, you shoot? He's like, nope. I'm like, okay. So anyway, I'd say about 8, 8.30 comes around. And I'm like, screw it. I'm like, I'm going to do a little calling because I have a lot of success with calling, gear calling. Okay. And uh, so I'm like, all right, you know, and my biggest thing is, is I don't call at deer. I don't try to, you know, make it sound like I'm trying to talk to any kind of deer. I'm just trying to sound like deer doing deer stuff. So gotcha. well, that makes sense, man. So, uh, and you know, beings, it's the rut. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll just kind of do what they call a doe. Like, I don't know if it's that actually exists or not. You know, if there's a different 
kind of bleat, but that's what I did. I got a little extinguisher call. So I did that and then waited a couple seconds and did it again. Because what I've noticed is that when you call deer, like I've, you know, even calling deer that I, I can see is that you can call at them and they'll hear you, but they might not know exactly what they heard or might not know exactly where you're at. And so then they'll kind of go, eh, you know, and then they'll put their head back down and continue doing what they're doing. So I've yeah. learned to, once you call and you get their attention, do it again, but make sure they're not so close that they can tell where you're at, you know, exactly where you're at. So okay. yeah. I do those two little doe bleats and I bet maybe like five, 10 minutes later, I hear the, I hear snapping through this, uh, you know, thick, kind of like a hedgerow looking thing, real thick honeysuckle undergrowth. And, uh, I see high and tight. He's bobbing his head, weaving his head through the, uh, through the brush. And I'm like, shit. I'm like, I'm not even ready to shoot. And I'm like, I didn't even expect to see this deer. I'm like, it's 8 a.m. I'm like, I lost hope like an hour ago. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so he comes <laughs> up and he stops. And I'm like, shit. And so he kind of looks around because it kind of broke out in the open area I'm sitting in. And I am by no means in any kind of cover. And uh, he looks around and he can kind of tell something's up. Like he's like, something's out of place here. Something's here that shouldn't be. And so he kind of walks, you know, or kind of trots a little bit into this thick stuff. And I can still kind of see his silhouette. And as soon as he looks over to his left, I kind of swing around. And, you know, I'm in a really weird, funky position. And I swing around and get my gun on him. And uh, I'm like, man, I'm like, if you can just take a couple more steps, I can probably squeeze around through that hole in the brush he takes a couple more steps and you know now he's looking around he's be, he's looking dead at me be, you know be bopping his head through the brush trying to pick me out i mean i am made and uh finally i'm like screw it so i kind of leaned out and then he peeked his head up and i had a perfect shot right behind his shoulder i shot the deer dropped I'm like oh damn i'm like well i'm like maybe awesome. maybe i just maybe i just spined him because he's so close you know i got a slug gun that's sighted in for a hundred yards and I shot him at like 11 and uh <laughs> anyway so he drops I'm like oh shit you know I'm shaking you know like a leaf and I called dead I'm like I just shot high and tight and and uh he's like oh he's like sweet he's like uh he's like you walk up to him yet and I'm like no I'm like he's still alive I'm like I think I spined him he's like we're putting it around in him and so uh I walk up to him rack another uh because I got a savage 220 racked another, you know, slug into the barrel and uh, shoot him again. And the lungs, I'm like, what the hell is that red spot on his neck? And so I walk over to him and the original round had deflected off of a branch and smoked him right in the neck and dropped him. I mean, hit him perfectly where you should in the neck yeah. if you wanted no to shoot way. him here in the neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I got lucky. And, uh, Anyway, so, you know, I'm called dad and I'm like, all right, I'm like, he's dispatched. He's like, is he as big as, uh, you know, as he looks on camera? I'm like, and I, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, he's kind of buried in the weeds. You know, I was kind of still kind of like shaking up. I'm like, what the hell just happened? So I pulled his head out of the weeds and I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, he's everything that the camera made him out to be. And, uh, so anyway, long story short. What'd you score him out to when, when you finally got the final score on the guy, what'd you score him out to? So. We scored him out at 
166, and I'm like, there ain't no way. I'm like, there's no way that deer's 166 inches. I'm like, it looks like it's probably 155. <laughs> so I scored him again, and I got like 148 or 147 or something like that. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, you know, because I had, I had told myself I am not shooting a smaller deer than the one I already have on the wall. And that one's 146. And so uh, <laughs> I'm like, no. I'm like, damn it. And uh, anyway, he's like, that cannot be right. He's like, how do we get such a different number? And so when he scored it, he counted the times and counted that into the score. And then, I don't know, it's come a couple other different math mistakes. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm going to score him three times. And I'm going to take the average of all those scores. So I scored him at, I think I scored him at like 167 one time. I scored him at 163 and then 164. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know, I got 163 and 164. You know, those are pretty damn close to each other. I'm like, so let's yeah. go with 164. So, because I think it was like 163 and seven eights or some shit. But uh, yeah, so 164 and the bummer about it is his brow tines are super long. And if his brow tine, he was missing one because he got in a fight with a buck. Oh yeah. If he would have had that, if he would have had that brow tine, he would have been 172 inches. That's awesome, man. (laughs) Yeah. And the funny thing is, is he lost that brow tine like a couple days before I shot him. Oh, because a couple, yeah, a couple days before that, we got some snow and we got a trail camera picture of him in the morning coming to a camera with both of his brow tines. And then in the evening, we got him coming back the same way he came, and he was missing a freaking brow time. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm going to scavenge this place looking for that damn brow time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, like, that's awesome. That's, like, that's crazy. I gotta, so I've killed one whitetail, and I want you to score it for me, Cole. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the camera on here later. The, it'll be after we're done recording. But um, All right, for sure. Yeah, man, it's uh, that's that's cool. I, I don't know anything about whitetail scoring. I've been whitetail hunting once because um, I'm a late onset hunter here, and I've done mostly elk and and western big game. So, uh, but I'm now in Texas, so now I'm like fully embracing it. And I'm like, let's let's dive into this thing because if if eighty percent oh, yeah. of the country, if like that's their preferred hunting, let's do this thing. So, yeah, I'm gonna get there, man. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this deer that I've shot, and I've told this story before. I don't know if you've heard it, but. Um, I think he was a giant of tomorrow. I think he was actually a pretty young deer, uh, but he's super, super wide. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But I know you said you had uh, maybe one more story, or is that all you got for us? Yeah, let me uh, let me check in my notes here. I actually <laughs> took, wrote down a couple notes to make sure I, you know, got them all. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. Oh, I'll tell I'll tell an elk story. So, oh hell yeah! All right. So me and my buddy. Funny thing is. My name's Cole, and the buddy I took to Colorado elk hunting with me, his name his name is Cole. So <laughs> we had a had a team of Coles going on. Yeah, right. But um, you know, we were there. Uh, we went up to northern Colorado. Got on a couple. Actually, we got on bulls the first. Archery day. or rifle? Archery. Okay. So uh, we had gotten there like the opener of muzzleloader, I think. And uh, yeah, first time, you know, young blood elk hunters. And we got on three different bulls the first freaking day. <laughs> we never did see that's, them, but we had them pretty close. It's not normal, but that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, hey, that luck quickly wore out. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, so long story short, we ended up moving 
like three hours a different direction to go elk hunting after, you know, we had met up with some Ohio kids that were around our age and ended up becoming good friends with them. And we're actually going uh, turkey hunting with them in Kentucky, uh, I think the 5th of May. That's awesome. But um, yeah, it's pretty cool to meet people out there. But um, anyway, so after actually, they you know left. What? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you real quick to tell a funny story. So I went third season rifle hunting. We're talking about meeting people out in the woods and I am talking to some random guy, uh, you know, we're, we're standing at our trucks and it's there's snow everywhere. It's miserable. It's cold. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm from, uh, I'm from Amarillo, Texas. And I'm like, Oh no shit. You know, uh, Phil wise and Phil's been on my podcast. He was actually, um, just on my podcast. Like, Oh yeah, I do. And it's just like crazy who you run into. So like I ended up running into, uh, Phil's buddy who like in the middle of nowhere, and now Phil and I are like good buddies and we, we've been friends since, but it's just, it's, it's crazy. Like you said, with those boys from Ohio, it's, it's crazy who you can run into. And as long as everyone's got a good attitude, man, it's nothing but nothing but positivity out there. Oh yeah. It's, it's awesome. Everybody's super helpful. Even the locals, I expected the locals to be like me with the locals, you know, or like me when out of staters come here to, to deer hunt. <laughs> I feel, I thought they would be a little more like me, like, eh, I ain't giving you any information, but they were really, <laughs> really forthgiving. And, uh, I was, I was surprised by that. And it kind of changed the way I, I treated out of staters when I came back home. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm like That's they're spending hear, a lot man. of money, a lot of money to come up here and, uh, you know, give it their best because they aren't in an area that have big deer. So, you know, I've, I've kind of took it upon myself to give them some pointers now and, um, just kind of be awesome. more helpful. That's, that's what we need. That's what we all need to do, man. It's like just being positive and just being friendly. Like it's no reason to be yeah. like, uh, difficult i'll say but that's, that's yeah the, the, the colorado folks out there inspired you to take some of that like goodwill and then take it back to illinois so but yeah continue man i keep interrupting yeah no you're good so uh anyway we were uh we were hunting this unit that was really i mean it was plentiful with roads and uh believe it or not we actually you know seen a good five by five cross the road we had four people on one four-wheeler which was hilarious but uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after uh, after the Ohio guys left, it was just me, me and Cole, and uh, we kind of struggled for a little bit for a couple of days. We'd uh, we'd hear elk bugling at night or in the morning, and we'd kind of chase them around in the morning, never really seeing them, but always kind of trailing behind them. And then we'd lose them during the day, never could find them, and like we were just losing hope. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, screw this shit. I'm like, I'm gonna treat these elk like I do deer hunting at home. I'm like, I'm going to find the dumbest freaking places and I'm going to go to them. I'm going to find the one tiny little freaking plot or the, you know, tiniest out of the way place that you could go. And we're going to go there. And so we drove on the complete other side of this unit and went down this shitty ass road. I mean, I would never take my truck down it again. But uh, (laughs) anyway, we get there in the evening or you know mid-afternoon we're like all right we're like we're gonna go to this little pocket i'm like there's gonna be a bull in this pocket i'm like i know it i'm like he's got water there i'm like there's regrowth right here i'm like it's green I'm like you know it's shaded there's no reason why an elk should not be there and it's on a you know kind of a north slope i'm like there's gonna be an elk it's gonna be well there he's like yeah whatever because he was you know we were both pretty down in the dumps but uh yeah Anyway, so we walked there and we're walking through just thick regrowth, like with the, uh, 
like regrowth aspen so they're real short and thick and you know kind of like looks like bear country like, we're gonna run into a black bear or something but we never did so we go up and over up and over up and over all these little tiny fingers that come off of this main mountain ridge and uh finally we get probably 200 yards from that uh block of timber i said here comes our bugle he kind of rolled his eyes and i <laughs> i took my uh um my external read cow call and went here and then and i'm like holy shit i'm like it actually worked i'm like i just manifested a freaking elk right there <laughs> and we're like awesome and so we immediately like you know being young dumb elk hunters we immediately set up and then i heard chris rose's voice in the back of my head going doorway and i'm like no i'm like we gotta go so we went down this freaking drainage and then set up again and uh you know the elk had bugled a couple times before then he was closing distance fast and i'm sitting in these little little tiny little cedar trees probably maybe four feet tall and uh, we're at the bottom so he's going to be coming up and over us to kind of he's going to have to look down to us and uh i remember as soon as i set up i heard chris's voice in my head again go doorway <laughs> and i'm like Sick. i'm like this is not where i need to be i'm like what am i doing but it's too late the elk is so freaking close to us and like as soon as i kind of like wrapped my head around the big f up i just did i see freaking rat coming up over the uh over the hill and it's a beautiful bull i mean i'm not i'm not really good at field judging elk yet but just yeah. from watching a bunch of different videos and stuff I think he was probably around a 300 incher. No shit. That's awesome. But, uh, over the, over the yeah. counter unit. Yep. Yeah. Over That's the counter. Awesome. And, uh, I'm like, Oh my God, you know, first elk I've ever called in cow called him in, didn't bugle at all. And he comes up over this hill. And as soon as I see his rack, I just draw. I'm like, cause I envisioned him just walking down the hill right to me. And, uh, he comes over the hill and does exactly what uh you know i had learned on chris rose podcast and everything he got to where he could see where that elk should have been and he looked around and he said there ain't no damn elk here and turned around and walked away i had him at 60 yards he was you know complete frontal and i'm like i am not taking a 60 yard frontal shot yeah that's and uh but i was at full draw and uh i'm like oh my god and so he walks off and it was funny the way the sun was setting these uh little tiny cedar trees off to my right the sun had projected his shadow onto those trees and i could see a perfect bull elk silhouette just walking away out of my life i was watching uh. his shadow walk <laughs> away through the cedar trees and then like the end he, of the uh, movie. yeah and then he disappeared into the freaking timber again i'm like well i'm like i'm not going to chase him again we'll just back out but yeah, no, like it reminded me of, uh, I don't think you've ever played Red Dead Redemption 2. The end of the I game, have. it was like the end of the game where it's got that whitetail buck and the sunset. I don't know yes. if you've gotten to that yes. part, but yeah, yeah, that's what it reminded me of. I'm like, oh my God, that was so cinematic. But uh, I was jacked. Cool, yeah. <clears throat> so how many years ago was this hunt? So this was actually this past September. That was my first, that's first awesome. ever elk hunt. Are you going back this September? Oh yeah, for sure. I, uh, 
it was funny. I was talking to dad a couple of days before that. It was actually, no, probably two days before that. So not, you know, well, probably a couple, but, uh, anyway, I told him, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't know if this elk hunting is all what it's cracked up to be. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it was funny after I called that bull in and I had that encounter, I called dad. I said, I am doing this every freaking year. I said, I don't care if I got to adjust the, the job I do for a living to make sure that I can do this every year. I said, I have got to do this every year. That's <laughs> awesome, man. That's so cool to hear. Like someone that's come up from the, the whitetail side just being as enamored um, with the, with the elk hunting. So I, I didn't grow up hunting at all, Cole. And it's like, the first time I saw a bull bugle and my brother-in-law and I both shot the same elk and we put it down. I was like, what is this monster in the woods? And I've just been in love with it ever since. So it's, it's cool that, that you just were like, yep, this is it. I'm changing, I'm changing my life for, for elk hunting. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I mean, like my friend Cole, you know, we had gotten on, a, uh, I think a couple other bulls since then, or after that. And, uh, Anyway, you know, that one was pretty close. He was probably 50 yards, but he was through some thick stuff and they were kind of all looking our direction because they had heard elk there, but couldn't see any elk. But anyway, after that, he goes, he's like, man, he's like, these things almost look out of place. Like they are so huge that they look yeah. like they shouldn't even be there. Like right? They should be in Jurassic Park or something. Absolutely, man. Never mind the fact that like they have ivories, right? So they've got the teeth that people pull, and an ivory is a remnant of years and years and years ago when they had tusks. Can you imagine yeah. that shit? These giant swords on their head and coming out of their mouth at the same time. Like they're they're uh, yeah. insane. They're beautiful. I love them. They're my favorite critter in the world. Yeah, it's if only it's, my wife would let me name my kid Wapiti, right? <laughs> yeah, no joke. Maybe a dog. You can name a dog Wapiti <laughs> or a maybe. cat. <laughs> I, you know, actually, I mentioned that, and she's like, what, Wapiti? I'm like, yeah, W-A-P. She's like, nope, nope. That song has been ruined by, uh, I don't even know the, the rappers, but the, you know, the WAP. I don't know. If oh, you know yeah, freaking you know, uh, the, Cardi B. I'm just going to oh, say yeah, that's Yeah, wet-ass pussy. Like, uh, God, Oh, yeah. That's Cardi B, I, I think. Cardi B. I wanted to say Lizzo. Yeah. I'm really not, I'm not versed in all that stuff, but my wife can't get that out of her mind. She's like, no, we yeah. can't name our dog something that starts with WAP. Like, nope. <laughs> no. I like the way that uh, uh, Guy Du... Is it Guy Duplanche or Guy Duplanche? Uh, second one, Duplanche. I get it wrong, too. Duplanche. It's, it's a beautiful so, name. It's a hard name. Oh, yeah. I love the way he says Wapiti. He's always like... Yeah. like he, he puts really a lot of emphasis on the WAP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's from California. That's what those Californians do. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, cool, Cole, man. These are some great stories, man. I appreciate it. I, uh, I think I've taken up more time than I asked for already. So, Oh no, I got more... all the time in the world. Ah, perfect. Do you have <laughs> any more stories you want to tell? Otherwise, man, it's a, it's a good point to wrap up. You tell me, man. Um, yeah, I could tell, I guess one more quick one about uh, making sure to keep track of your stuff in the woods. So I was hunting this deer. This is his past season and uh hunting him in the grass again hunted this cedar tree it was a couple hundred yards from the road and had to walk through a couple hundred yards of grass and grass probably waist high and then below that waist high grass is like the old grass that folds over from the wind and the snow and everything and creates like an upside down nest over the entire landscape so 
you know, typical lock your truck, put your keys in your pocket, walk on. So I get done with the hunt in the evening. And every time I climb out of the tree, I usually always do a pat check on all my pockets, make sure I got everything. And, uh, yeah. So walked about, walked about five yards away from the tree and I'm like, "Mm, something's missing. And so I start digging through my pockets, can't find my keys. And I'm like, Oh no, no. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so I get my flashlight out, start looking around, retrace my steps back to the tree, look around the tree, couldn't find them. I'm like, Oh my God. So, you know, I kind of walk back to the truck. I'm like, I'm not even going to try to look in the grass right now. It's pitch black. I'm like, I can't find, you know, my keys are just gone. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, let's have some hope here. Maybe I just left the keys on my tires because sometimes I set my keys on my tires and I'm getting my stuff ready. I'm like, all right, maybe I just did that. Get back to the truck. No keys. I'm like, all right, well, maybe I just left the keys in the ignition. You know, maybe I just forgot to lock my truck. <laughs> and so <laughs> go to open the door. Nope. Can't open the door. I'm like, oh my God. So my uh, friend from Tennessee was actually up here deer hunting. He comes up here every year. And uh, I called him. I'm like, hey, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, no, I'm just driving around. I'm like, can you pick me up? He's like, yeah. He's like, what's the problem? I'm like, I lost my freaking keys. He just starts laughing. He's like, yeah. He's like, where are you at? So I told him, <laughs> get back to his place. And I'm talking to him. And he's like, uh, so what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I'm like, I got a couple things I need to do. I need to have somebody drop me off there first thing in the morning. And I'm going to look for my keys and do a grid search. I said, if I can't find them, I'm going to try to call locksmith. I said, if he can't do anything, I'm going to have to have a different friend drive an hour from, you know, my hometown, come pick me up and then take me to the dealership where the truck came from so I can get a key. (laughs) And so um, his girlfriend, actually, she had to go to work real early that morning. So she offered to drop me off. So she dropped me off. And I looked, retraced my steps all the way, you know, to my stand or, you know, the tree I was in. And I didn't know exactly where I walked. So I kind of, you know, made a line on Onyx or like an area on Onyx. It was about five acres of stuff that I had to walk through. So I'm like, well, I don't know how wide I swung at this, you know, hill or this trail or whatever. So I grid searched the entire way, turned my tracker on, got all the way to my tree Looked around my tree, couldn't find it. I'm like, I'm screwed. And so I just kind of sat down on the ground and kind of leaned back on my elbow. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, man, I'm like, you are one idiot. And uh, anyway, so uh, um, I uh, looked over my left shoulder and there are my keys. Because I had a little uh, gold uh, gold Trump keychain on there. My parents got me a Trump <laughs> keychain when they went to uh, Vegas. So, uh, and it was like sitting there kind of, kind of shining, you know, in the little bit of the light that the grass let through. And I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, you would have thought I freaking found gold. And so, uh, (laughs) thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, found my keys and got back to my truck and rolled off. But a little moral of the story is, uh, keep track of your keys and don't take your keys out in the woods, (laughs) bury them in the grass or something near your truck. That's funny. That's so funny. So, um, man, that's like, you hit on one of my biggest fears. Like I've never lost my keys, but for some reason I'm just like terrified of it. So one thing I bought a long time ago, actually my father-in-law bought one first. And I was like, that's the smartest shit I've ever seen. Um, I don't know if you have a truck or what you're driving coal, but, uh, if you have a hitch, 
they make hitch safes and it basically just tucks into your hitch and then you put these little pins in there and it's got a little sleeve. And so I bought one of these things. Right. And I would always have like, a, you know, a, a 20 bit dollar bill and my spare key in there. So if I lost my keys, I always had my keys on the truck, always there, no matter what. Um, Cause it's just something is, I don't know why I'm terrified of it, but I am. Either way, I oh, went yeah. to attack, you know, attack total archery challenge. Um, and for whatever reason, I took that thing out and set it on my bumper. I don't know why. And then I drove away oh, and no. that thing just lo- was lost into the wilderness. Oh um, no. And so I've some of my, my key is still safe. I'm sure, but it's locked up in this hitch. that's lost in some grass somewhere <laughs> in Colorado. I really no idea. But since the, since I, I don't know why I haven't bought another one. Uh, mainly because it's, I didn't buy us or didn't get myself a second key, which is probably a bigger problem. Um, but I've got like three different, um, like key, like magnetic key holders. And so when I go out elk hunting, I will not take my keys with me. I'll like have, it's like a puzzle piece where like, you have to come to this part of my truck and find this piece to take this, to take it over to here, to unlock that piece. So yeah. I'm, 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 I'm with you. Your, your story sent shivers down my spine, man. Cause it's like oh, one yeah. of my biggest hunting fears is to go back to the truck. And I don't know how cold it is on that day you were hunting, but like I'm not hunting within hours from home. Like I'm camping or I'm in my camper or whatever. And so like, if I can't get in my truck, the temperatures dropping below thirties, it means life or death potentially. So like, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you, man. Oh, I'm yeah. with you. That's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I tell you, uh, what you what you can do is you can just drop me a pin exactly where you lost your keys in Colorado, and I'll find them for you. <laughs> yeah, dude, the, well, there, there's there's no keychains. <laughs> it's just a it's just black, no Trump shininess coming at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll send you the pin. It's on private property. I'll I'll get you access to it. It's it's not a big hunting property, but um, a good one for camping. So. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Cool, Cole, man. Well, this was fun, bud. You had some very unique stories. Uh, most of them involve heartache, so I'm sorry, but at least I'm glad you found your keys and I'm glad you killed your, uh, what did you call it? What did you call your, uh, the tall tined deer? Oh, uh, high and tight. High and tight. I have another buddy. And as soon as you said high and tight, I was thinking Timmy tall tines, which is what he called his uh, <laughs> similar deer. So That's um, a good man, I, it is a good name. Feel free to take it. I mean, I don't own it. I hope he doesn't. I hope he's not upset with it. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cole, man, why don't we, uh, I don't know if you want to share, you know, any where the people can follow you. I can't guarantee any followers. You know, I, I think only like six people listen to this podcast. But uh, <laughs> if you <laughs> if you want to, if you want to throw your Instagram out or anything else you might want to, please feel free. And then uh, we'll wrap this thing up and get about our evenings. But thank you again, man. This was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Not a problem. Thank you. And um, yeah, so if you want to uh, follow me on Instagram, it is just uh, cole.guard, and that's G-A-R-D. There is no U. And uh, I also have a second Instagram page. It's called Illinois underscore artifacts. I'm a big uh, artifact hunter, too. And so I post all of my uh, arrowheads, you know, knife blades, anything I find out in the creature in the fields, that'll be on that page. So if you want to give that page a follow, too. Yeah, man. Share that one with me. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put both into the show notes. So if you guys want to check out the cool shit that Cole's finding and also just kind of check out his life as he goes about, uh, just shooting giant deer in Illinois, then, uh, you can just click there and, and follow him along. So Cole, man, thanks again, buddy. This was fun. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate it too.
Yeah, buddy. All right. Have a good one. All right, guys. That's it. Another couple stories. I want to thank Cole, of course, for coming on the podcast and sharing all his stories, all his white's tail stories, his elk stories, turkey stories, whatever it may be. We thank you very much for first off reaching out and then coming on and sharing those stories. So uh, that being said, guys, make sure you take it Cole and uh, share the podcast with some other individuals and, and reach out to us if you have some stories of your own. So we'd love to hear them and we'd love to get them out here on the podcast so others can hear them as well. Um, all right, guys. Well, um, beyond that, make sure you follow Cole on Instagram. It is just Cole.Guard, G-A-R-D. And then uh, Illinois underscore artifacts. I'm going to put links to all that stuff in the show notes so you can find it pretty easily. Um, but that's it. Thank you again for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And uh, now get out there and make some stories of your own. Thank you. <laughs>